Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, Julia Roberts boards a yacht to fake her own death and escape her abusive husband and his amazing house on the beach. But after an unbelievably useful phone call from a woman she went to swimming lessons with, he realises she's still alive and hunts her down like a mustachioed Terminator from 1991. It's sleeping with the enemy. She is a stranger in a small town. What's your name? Hey, where? Where are you from? A lot of questions. Behind her smile. What is it with you? Is a secret. Behind her laughter. Is fear. Wow! I'm sorry. Behind her happiness. Are you okay? I'm gonna be. Is a past she can never forget. While in the blue corner. More boat-related fakery as Ashley Judd's other half disappears over the side of their yacht, presumed not only dead, but murdered by her. Released from jail, she breaks her parole to hunt down her very much alive hubby, while Tommy Lee Jones tries to recapture the fugitive. From 1999, it's Double Jeopardy. I didn't kill my husband. Libby Parsons is in prison for a crime she didn't commit. I'd like you to adopt my son. Money won't be a problem. It isn't about money. Thank you. Hi, Mommy. Hello, sweetie pie. Daddy. Nick? You ever hear something called double jeopardy? The state says you already killed your husband. They can't convict you of it a second time. That means that when you leave here, you can kill him. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. It makes you feel warm and tingly all over, don't it? So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Putters. We all forget things. That's what reminding's for. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Excellent. Cool. Yeah, yep. good. No one's mentioned the unsightly bruise I have on my arm. I've told you about it, Victoria. I haven't Tell told everybody I haven't what happened. Told you, How'd you get what a bruise a on your arm, Alex? <laughs> Why am I a prick? <laughs> you can't foresee an accident like this. Uh, I was dancing around. I had a fire pit in my garden and I was dancing around uh, the fire pit, uh, very pagan-like, uh, listening to... Doing a spell? Psalm 41, <laughs> not so pagan-like. And uh, my hammock has been left out in the rain recently and I jumped on it with my buttocks and I went straight through it. So I, when you said to me, I thought you meant, you know, like a cartoon, like you twizzled round in it and mm. then hit the floor, but did it break? Well, I'm not a cartoon character, so I couldn't have done that. <laughs> but when, when you said you were dancing in the style of a pagan ritual, mm. were you naked? I mean... Some things are better left unsaid. He told me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christ, you're lucky the bruise is just it's on like your a arm. spiky bomb and that's what happened and I he landed on I it. I couldn't work out your face then. Was that arousal or disgust? No, grim. Jealousy. Grim. <laughs> Some 40 bloody one. Put the Wicker Man soundtrack on. <sighs> it wasn't an actual pagan ritual. I was just dancing around a fire. It was very, okay. very yeah. bohemian actually. Anyway, definite, definite first world problems. Dancing around my fire pit and hit my hammock. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can relate to that listening. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I'm Clash Pods answer to John Cleese on Richard and Judy. Uh, right then, uh, my choices uh, this week, Sleeping with the Enemy versus Double Jeopardy. Uh, the reason, simply because I have never seen 
either of these films. So excuse me while I use this podcast to fill in the gaps in my movie life. It's a dangerous reason. <laughs> Why? Well, in case you hate them and everyone does. Oh, I don't have that much power in this room to make you hate them. You, you know your own mind, Chris. Better than anyone. <laughs> and I think we should keep it that way. Uh, so the clue I gave last week was till death don't us part. Or till to, death us don't, don't part. part. Yeah, whatever. I looked, Do you know what? I ended up going home and looking that up because you made me paranoid. Me too. And it's both versions. While it's grammatically correct to say till death us do part, the usual wording in England is till death us do part, as the latter is the wording used in the form of solemnization of matrimony in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. I apologise to you last week. I'm taking that apology back. You're right. I think the small talk section of the show needs to go. I prefer just getting into it. But okay. Okay. Then Chris followed that up on Twitter with, you can fake your death, but you can't escape your past. And also, husbands from hell. So we tried to hide, but you followed us on Twitter, at ClashPod, and on Instagram, at ClashPod. Here are this week's guesses. Uh, I'm just going to do the winners this week. Congratulations to Gemma Page, Paul Logue. But our first correct guess came in from, and I think he's a first-time winner. Chris isn't so sure, but either way, Congratulations, Tim Wilkins, who says, My good lady, Heidi, says sleeping with the enemy versus till death do us part, but I'm going for sleeping with the enemy versus double jeopardy. So with help from his good lady, Heidi, our winner this week is Tim Wilkins. Your prize is a trip on a yacht with Victoria. <laughs> it does say here the ticket is one way. <laughs> not sure if that's relevant. I'm coming back. One of you is. Uh, right. Connections then. What do you got? You've done them. So beautiful women with problems, living beautiful houses by the sea. Mm. Boats. Fake. producer, actually. Did you notice that? No. Oh. Yeah, Leonard, Leonard Goldberg. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Mm. Probably says a lot about Leonard. If he's got, I know. He's got a niche. Can we put a boat on it? <laughs> Boats, boat deaths, fake boat deaths. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, shooting people. In the chest. Mm. As the oh, climax. Yeah. And specifically, someone coming to help you, then being knocked unconscious, and then you shooting them. The climaxes of both movies are very similar. Yeah. Um, a random connection, but Kevin Anderson and Bruce Greenwood both played Kennedys, two of their most famous roles. They both look a bit like the Kennedys. Mm. One was in Hoffa and the other in 13 Days. Oh. Uh, awkward sex scenes. Both have quite uncomfortable sex scenes. Oh, yeah. Mm. Especially sleeping with the enemy. Especially yeah. sleeping with the enemy. But the sex scene in um, Double Jeopardy, it's a bit at the very end where Ashley Judd is just lying there, sort of grinning at him. Like she doesn't say anything. She's just like grinning. She's and it, happy. But it doesn't seem like happy. It seems like, like, yo, <laughs> you finished. Well done, kiddo. So that's a bit weird. Uh, both are in the 20% bracket on Rotten Tomatoes, and yet both made over $175 million on relatively small budgets. Really? Jeopardy's, Jeopardy's that low? Mm, yeah, I think Jeopardy's surprised. 27% and Sleeping with the Enemy's even lower, 22 Only because I remember people, critics hating Sleeping with the Enemy, but I don't remember them hating uh, Double Jeopardy. Any more for any more? No. All right then. So on Thursday, Victoria just wants her son back. <laughs> Double jeopardy. But today, Chris is going to ask why the hell Julia Roberts flushes her ring down the toilet in Sleeping with the Enemy. Chris takes on a journey. Okay, here we go. In Sleeping with the Enemy, Julia Roberts plays a battered wife who escapes her abusive husband by faking her own death. However, she also leaves behind a trail of breadcrumbs that will lead him directly to her. Like putting her wedding ring in his toilet. Mention that and giving his work number to her swimming teacher. <laughs> so just when she's trying to start a new life involving apples, so many apples, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> harvest time, and a creepy drama teacher, her ex shows up, moves some tins and towels, then fakes his own death so the film can end with maybe the most predictable jump scare in cinema history. Alex and Vicky, for your consideration, sleeping with the enemy. Ooh. So. Good stuff. Alex, yeah. when did you first see this film? Chris, uh, this was a first watch for me. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, this was not a movie I had any interest in watching as a kid in the 90s, and then I just totally forgot about its existence until now. Good answer. Uh, Vicky, were you, like me, madly in love with Julia Roberts in 1991 and watched it on video in 1992 when you were old enough? <laughs> 
<laughs> more or less video at some point i was at school i don't remember anything about it apart from how evil martin is mm. um and julia roberts in a mustache and that's all i remembered oh see i didn't remember yeah, that remember that, that <laughs> came as a surprise this time i remembered her lovely I hair couldn't wait. i was like might wait for it wait for it yeah there she is she's a man now it's an insane disguise it's crazy it's insane it's 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 blackadder bob level of disguising yourself as a man i noticed though that this time she does alter her walk which is quite method it's quite good she doesn't just walk in there like julia roberts so she walks in there like a dude she kind walks, of she walks in there like someone pretending to walk like what oh yeah they imagine yeah. a man does despite yeah. the fact they've seen men walk in real life and she hunches her she rolls her shoulders up she sort of swaggers like yeah. like a cowboy very strange. <laughs> so uh, the background to this movie is is pretty simple, really. Um, it had quite an effortless journey to the big screen. It's based on a 1987 novel by Nancy Price. It was adapted by Ronald Bass, who just had success with Rain Man. And it's directed by Joseph Rubin, who is like the godfather of the From Hell genre, as he directed The Dad From Hell before this with The Stepfather. Mm. Did you ever see The Stepfather? I did not. No. Great movie. And then after this, he did The Kid from Hell with The Good Son, mm. which is a film we must do on this podcast. I've seen that. Mm. Evil Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, it's good. So he's got form in the From Hell uh, genre, but this is, is what he called his first major movie. And when speaking to the LA Times at the time, um, what he said about making his first major movie was the biggest advantage of a big budget movie is that you get a crane. You can just <laughs> ride it up and down. I'd never get off it if I could. <laughs> <laughs> he's quite funny honestly that interview is quite funny he was taking the piss where's the director he's up there now, now he's down there now he's up there again brilliant uh, according to IMDB trivia so this probably isn't true uh, the stars that were originally attached to the film lead roles were Kim Bassinger Sean Connery and Aidan Gwynn uh, would have been a bit weird if Sean Connery was in it for unpleasant reasons but then uh, Ruben saw a brief preview of Pretty Woman uh, he says I saw Julia in those five minutes and I was like wow I called up her agent and said she's incredible in this thing from just five minutes she jumped out at me uh, we really weren't thinking about her at that point but they immediately offered her the role and the rest is history because even though as Alex said the reviews were terrible and just 20% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes uh, the film was huge mm. off a budget of 19 million it made 175 million worldwide it was the seventh biggest movie of the year in the states and it reinforced Julia Roberts' position as maybe the biggest star on the planet. Yeah, wasn't it? This was the biggest opening ever for a film with a female lead at this point. Yeah, I think it eclipsed Alien. Alien, yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah, that was the last one. And she became, Julia Roberts became the first woman, or at least, uh, yeah, I think she was the youngest, no, she was the youngest actress ever to earn a seven-figure salary for a film based on this. Yeah. So off the back of Pretty Woman, Flatliners and Sleeping With The Enemy, she proved, because there were bigger, you know, there were movie stars like Tom Cruise and Arnold Schwarzenegger, but she could make as much money of them off nothing, really, off mm. a tiny budget and no special effects. So Didn't go to number one in the UK, though. Did number two, no. It was uh, beaten out uh, by uh, Highlander 2, The Quickening. Mm. That was what we wanted to watch in the UK. Mm. But did did it stay? Did Highlander stay at number one? Yeah. I feel like Sleep with the Enemy must have crept up. There, now, surely. Apparently, the second week it was still at number two behind because word of mouth had got out and people had gone. I probably wouldn't see Highlander the Quickening. Um, <laughs> people had gone. I'll, I'll make up my own bloody mind, actually. And it was. I, I didn't write this down, but as you mentioned that, it knocked Home Alone yeah. off the top of the American charts after. 11 weeks, mm. three months. Mm. Over and Christmas. No, not over Christmas. This was into February. Oh, right. So people were sitting home alone in their droves in February, which is <laughs> madness. Um, and it really touched the nerve. It's been remade 14 times. Yeah. There are four Hindi versions, a Bangla version, an Urdu version, a Tamil version, a Bengali version. So all over, uh, countries have made their own Sleeping with the Enemies because I guess this story is grimly universal. Mm. Um, and the only other thing I've got is... It's a Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. I, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chinatown, Alien, Gremlins, Inter Space, Total Recall, Gremlins 2, Basic Instinct, Congo, Helicopter, Dungeons of the Burbs, and now Sleeping with the Enemy. Got another one coming up soon. We have, haven't we? It's weird. His name pops out of every title soon because I'm like, fucking Jerry Goldsmith. <laughs> Again, yeah. Is he's our biggest uh, biggest contributor to the pod? He, uh, Him or Frank Marshall? Because Frank Marshall got a big bump with four Indiana Jones movies oh, the other day. Course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're about neck and neck. The only other thing I found out was that uh, Julia Roberts upset the town in which they filmed this. Yeah. In North Carolina, Abbeville or Abbeville. 
I just said the same word twice, or Abbeville. <laughs> <laughs> there really is only one way to pronounce it. I'm probably incorrectly. I live by the Abbeville Road. Not the one that she filmed this on, but oh, the right. one in Clapham. Yeah, she, uh, she said she described it as a living hell and horribly racist. And the locals, uh, in a response, pulled their money to take out an ad in Variety that read, Pretty woman, pretty low. Okay. Mm. And then she had to respond to that and said that she was reacting to a single incident uh, when she had a black friend visiting her and they were refused service in a restaurant. So that's why she said she said that. Nasty stuff. Yeah. Shall we talk about the movie? Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm kicking off with a section I'm calling The Honeymoon Period Is Over. <laughs> She's clamming. <laughs> She's clamming. What a start. Yeah. It's an idyllic beach and <clears throat> idyllic Julia Roberts playing Laura is clamming. <laughs> yeah, they only do that, do they, to set up the apples later? Is that the only... I mean, I know that you've got to do the stuff which he's got no time for clamming. And it's important to her, but all these clams are going to spoil because he wants her to go to the fancy dinner. But I really thought it was just there to show that she's quite resourceful at getting free food. So that <laughs> do you think? Yeah. She's a forager. She's a forager, yeah. I just so thought... when she sees the apples, you're like, well, you did it with the clams, so it's fine. I just thought he was showing that she's like the perfect housewife. She doesn't oh, even okay, need to go to the shop. Okay. She'll go down there, she'll, she'll, she'll bring the food back, she'll cook the yeah. food. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, she... And it's it's to set up the line as well where he goes, yeah, we're going to a party. And she's like, I'll just I'll just, just just dig fresh ones tomorrow. Yeah, it's fine. Put them back, to be honest. I mean, I don't think we see her just sort of like <laughs> just take them and leave them on the porch. I think she, I'm sure she puts them back. <laughs> okay. Just think it's sitting there stinking, sort of, <laughs> sort of thing that get you into trouble with a husband like that. <laughs> Uh, so they're having a party at their beautiful beachfront house. Yeah. Were you a fan of that? Massively. Abode? Massively. Mm. It's of its time, but mm. then that's come back round. So I would 100% do my beachfront house like that. Yes. It's cold. Yeah. But that's why I like it. Do you know what it reminded me of? The beachfront house in Manhunter. You know, I was obsessed mm. with that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the same house. We're talking about the house they live in or the house they go to the party in? The house they live in. Okay. And I like the, the party one too. The house they live in, yeah. It, obviously, because property. And I was like, you know, I've got a hammock. I've got a fire pit. What I don't have his floor to ceiling glass windows yeah. uh, overlooking mm. a beach so I did look it up because I was like it seems dangerously close to the sea that house okay, yeah. would you build a house that close to the sea and it turns out it's not a real house no it's a fake house did you see in the North pic- Carolina did you see the picture from behind yeah where it's literally it's just, just a, a front. facade mm. oh it's de- that's disappointing it is isn't it <laughs> I mean, it sort of made me feel better about my station in the world. I was like, really? Well, I was like, oh, that house doesn't I exist. I couldn't even buy it if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, yeah, he wants her to wear the black backless dress to the mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. There's sort of signs that something's not right uh, in this Hollywood. Something in this in this marriage, something seems a bit off. Um, but they get home and it's all right again because he puts on Hector Berlioz Jesus. symphony <laughs> fantique and he goes for it in the kitchen. Mm. I have a question. Mm. You know, the bowl falls out of the kitchen with, the, with the, well, it falls out of her hand and it's got strawberries in it. Yeah. It's a plastic bowl. Is it? Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't shatter. shatter, does it? Yeah, and I was like, this is interesting to me because classically you would have the bowl smash. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, maybe she's on purpose put the strawberries in plastic bowls because the instigation of lovemaking is always so violent. She's gone through so many bowls and got in so much trouble for shards of bowl on the floor. Yeah. She's replaced the bowls with plastic bowls. Interesting. I mean, I feel like you're overthinking it, but I like... Save her cleaning up later. Yeah. Yeah. I like the theory. Um, and then we're into... We don't get much of the sex. I believe that sex scene was cut and Common Sense Media weren't happy about it. They said this film is iffy for kids because it features clothed sex. It's iffy for lots of other big reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it, this the sex scene where you see... Or is it the later one? Because there's two, isn't there? I think there's a second one. There is a second one. But you see his clothes all neatly folded and hung up. Like, so he's clearly got undressed. And then go, wait a minute. And waiting because he's that kind of guy and hung up his shirt Mm. and like folded his trousers and everything before. Uh, He's OCD, isn't he? Is that what you think he is? I think that's, I mean, I think that's part of it. Okay. He's also got some other issues. I don't think that's his only problem, but um, we catch him exercising the next morning. (laughs) I look this up. This is a Versa climber. I really want it. I mean, I'd never (laughs) use it, but I was like, you could get really fit on that, I reckon. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I believe LeBron James, the the American basketball player, that was his thing, the Versa climber. It's very American psycho this moment. Yeah. He's very intense. Oh, because he's got socks on as well, hasn't he? Yeah. He's exceptionally sweaty as well. His back is glistening. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think the film really beautifully builds the unease and the tension and the fear here because we get him spotting the towels aren't the same length on the rail. uh, And that's when we get the line that Alex said. Do you want to say it again, Alex? I really like that line. We all forget things. 
that's what reminding is for. Mm. It's a really good line. I wrote down, what a moment. Yeah, because she yeah. says thank you. That's mm. why it's good. Mm. Yeah. She's not supposed to go, what the fuck off. And it, it, it's, thank you for the lesson. It's the first It's the first moment where we've crossed the line into suspecting something's afoot to yes. actually being very aware. Yeah. Uh, and, no, uh, I would not for me. The sex scene is because she, the, the look on her face is she's not as into it as he is. Mm. And it is quite rough. And she drops the strawberries and all the rest of it. And it's obvious to me that it's not quite on equal footing. Okay. Uh, there's also an issue with the tins not being the right around in the cupboard. And mm. so he's sort of seemed quite controlling, but now he becomes full on abusive. She's great, though, at conveying. Because at this point, and again, first watch, I was like, she is brilliant at conveying the anxiety, that constant anxiety that she must be under like having to manage the minute details of making sure everything is just as. Perfect, yeah. It starts with a punch and then a kick. And then uh, he demands she joins him on a boat that evening for some night sailing. So this is the boat dude, Jonathan, who yes. he first meets on his own. You know their interaction there. Is there something else at play? Because he feels like he's flirting with Jonathan. Oh, okay. There's a little bit of like weirdness. He's it like, is weird that Jonathan, if he's a stranger, ostensibly is like, do you want to come on my boat later? Yeah, I mean, fuck Jonathan is what I have to say. Because <laughs> Jonathan literally goes, that must be your wife. I keep seeing staring out of the window. Is that going to get her in trouble? She's fit. <laughs> She's fit as F. Well, no, he sort of, he, he then has a bit of fun with him. He goes, Martin, Patrick's character, Martin. He goes, I've been admiring your house. Got you. <laughs> Well, you thought I was going to say wife then, but I meant your house. But I left it long They're enough. They're both possessions, yeah. so it's fine. Let's see how the joke works. Uh, and so we then move into a section I'm calling till death, us do part. <laughs> did you uh, Did you like the moment where she, he actually says the line, you can't conquer, we can't conquer our fears by running away when she's like, I don't want to go on the boat, I don't I can't swim. Mm. And he actually says... The, the, the What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So can you answer me a question? Is sailing at night a thing? That's a good question. Well, I don't see the. I guess uh, I, I understand if you're going somewhere, but they're sailing to sort of to, no, taking to, the view. But yes, there's no view. Can't yeah. see anything. I think they were going somewhere, but then the storm hits. I think there was a reason. It was a journey they were making together, was it not? I, I didn't. Remember. I didn't get that. I just thought it just seemed like a very strange activity to do at night rather than during the day. Yeah. Um, and the storm suddenly rains down on them, and then Laura is gone. Mm. Uh, she can't swim. Martin tells us for the second time in case we missed his speech about her not being able to swim five minutes previous. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at this point? Uh, at this point, I was sort of my brain was going because I was really enjoying this. I was like, okay, well, I wonder if the doctor is a. Uh, part of her plan right. like he has sort of set up this accident at sea to give her the opportunity to go over the side and swim and escape did cross my mind mm -hmm. bit disappointing when it isn't <laughs> apologies Al um, and she's gone I mean uh, Martin shouts the name Laura a lot yep. and then uh, yeah suddenly she's declared dead and there's a funeral and then there's flashbacks to her escape as we hear this narration Julia slash Laura says, that was the night I died and someone else was saved. Someone who was afraid of water but learned to swim. Someone who knew there would be one moment when he wouldn't be watching. Someone who knew that the darkness from the broken lights would show the way. Mm. I loved it. <laughs> I really <laughs> love it. Because at first when she's smashing the lights, you think, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But you also think, oh, maybe overthinking it, but you're so frustrated and you're so angry with your life that you need to express your rage that's and right. you've, you've picked this light bulb yeah. that's pissed you off and you've smashed it. And it's, quite, it's quite satisfying watching her manage to throw a stone at that light and She's take it out. She's a dead shot. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They, they, do it, they do it long shot so you can see her actually doing yeah. it. It's weird, isn't it? Because that's exactly what I thought. I thought you have no power over anything in your life that you're taking out your frustration on yeah. this inanimate object that you can destroy. Yeah. And it's the start of seeing how brave she's been to tell lies as well because... The fact that we established earlier, he's very angry with her for going to her mother's funeral, but that's going to turn out to not be true. And also she says, I've, I've been working in the library three mornings a week. And then you very quickly find out that she was learning to swim and how bold a move that is. Yeah, because it feels like he's the kind of person who would check up on her in the library. Yeah. This is the last good part of the plan, by the way. <laughs> this is to go from where I was yeah. literally 30 <laughs> seconds earlier. Where I'm like, this film is great. Yeah. I'm like... What are you fucking doing? So she dons a wig. Uh, she removes her wedding ring and puts it in the toilet. Stupid. <laughs> Just, it's, I, a, it's a lack of basic understanding of how toilets work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess, I guess it's a symbolic moment um, of her putting her ring in the toilet. But 
it's just it's just an annoying setup for later on in the film that you wish they'd done a little smarter. Yeah, I yeah. got a good change for that. But look, she's like she's doing everything wrong. She cuts she cuts her hair in the house. Yeah. Like a terrible idea. She's trampling sand through the house. I mean, why she hasn't put together this bag of belongings and buried it somewhere maybe near the lights How that did, she smashed. Yeah. Because why does she cut her hair? How do wigs work? <laughs> Couldn't well, she hide her hair under the wig? Yeah, I suppose she's got quite a lot of it and it might make the wig stick up. Well, I'm thinking that when she's wearing the wig, Julia Roberts hasn't cut her hair. So Julia Roberts' hair is under the wig. Yes. So it's not sticking up. That's so. true. <laughs> just, yeah. just put the wig on. Yeah. I don't need to see you cutting it. Um, and she takes a Greyhound bus. And there's a nice moment here of her sort of claiming her own narrative in exchange for an apple. Yeah. Um, but the first woman she meets, she tells her entire story to, which seems like a bad start to this adventure. Do you think? It just seems I like a dangerous too. thing to do. It, you know, because I was watching it going, I wonder what the significance of the apple is. Because with that black bob, and she, looks an like old, she looks like Snow White <laughs> yeah. and an older woman mm. giving her an apple. Yeah. I was like, so this woman... This is an is evil a, woman. She's a plant. Yeah. She's Patrick, basically ensures that on every... Like, this woman waits at the bus stop. Yep. He pays her because he's a rich man on the payroll to see if... As Julia Roberts ever gets on a bus out of here and to follow her and yeah. find well, out where we, she's going. We see how good they are at cross-dressing in this film, so maybe Patrick Bergen would have shaved off his moustache and that's him. That's all it would take. <laughs> I re- literally wrote down, she removes her mask and it's Martin underneath. <laughs> but she, talk, she talk, talks a little bit about her story and she says she called police and lawyer, but no one really believed her or wanted to help her. And I think it's interesting because I don't think we were as understanding of domestic abuse then as we are now. Well, certainly this is just before... The O.J. Simpson Isn't, stuff. Uh, yeah, there's absolutely no way. Like, everyone I knew at school was screaming, why don't you just leave him? Why don't you just yeah, leave yeah. him? And I think maybe that's why you have to show... Oh, no, I know it's probably... Is it in the book? Like, he hits her because that makes the audience go, oh, you're definitely a bad guy. Whereas when it's coercive control and it's fucking with her about the dress and but, but, but controlling every aspect of her life to the point she can barely leave the house, there were definitely people that I knew in the 90s were like, but you can still just leave. Yeah. It's not such a big deal. 100%. And I'm sure I was thinking that. But as I say, like it's two, three years later, the, Nicole Brown Simpson was murdered and she'd gone to the police so many times. And yeah. It was the first time you, we all understood. She had all the bruises, she had all the injuries and, and the police did nothing. The police knew about it. And I think between this film and that case, I think it educated the world about this issue. I think it's really effective where she actually says how long it's been as well. And she goes three years, seven months, da 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 da. She's incredible in that scene. She really mm. is. She's great in this movie. She is. I just yeah. wish she got on longer. I wanted to know hours and minutes. <laughs> I think she does, doesn't she? <laughs> she gets that. No, yeah. she just gives this day. Uh, so she makes it to Iowa, a small town in middle America, and she's smiling at kids playing jump rope. And I mean, it's just perfect, isn't it? There's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with this town whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe it's a shade racing. But other than that, it's fucking lovely. There's, there's a farmer raising the American flag. <laughs> yeah. When she, because to my experience, this is really personal, but me going home, I'd be like, oh my God, someone's raising the flag. Like, this is a nightmare. But she's like, oh, I'm home. Like, yeah, it's because she's left the monochrome hell of my. Yeah, yeah, and, and she's she in like apple, little apple pie yeah. America for fuck's sake. The cupboards are bright colour. It's all sort of pastel-y yeah. and soft focus. You're like, wow. It's uh, as you say, it's it's very white. Yeah, this whole film is very white, and I don't know if that's better or worse than what Double Jeopardy does, but we'll talk about that on Thursday. Uh, so she rents. A huge house. Yeah, and, but then it, old money. I was my mind was finished. The, the lady says this is seven hundred dollars a month mm. in nineties money. So where's she getting that sort of money from? Well, that's a really good question. Again, I got a change for this, but it's a, it's a, it's amazing that somehow she has managed to amass cash, cold yeah. hard cash. You can see her put rolls and rolls of it in the bag. Yeah, when she's from got, under the nose of this mm, absolute psycho control freak, control freak. Yeah. and also to pay for her mum's care. Mm. Presumably she hasn't even got a bank account because he controls everything. Why mm. would he give her her own money? Well, that's why she's got cash and not a bank yeah. account as well. So he must see who's paying for like her mother's mm. care. And what's the reasoning for her? I mean, I guess she wants the perfect house and life, but like, I feel like you'd just start off with a little apartment somewhere, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. I was surprised at how big the house is. Yes. <laughs> it's really big. Yeah, it's a big old house. Uh, because we, we see how big it is because we get a cleaning montage. Oh, I like that. Uh, you know, so she's cleaning the house. She's setting flowers down. She's sitting on the porch. She's making the towels messy. <laughs> Go for it, Laura. She's making the tins in the cupboard messy. Yeah. I like that. I liked it too. I like that. I just feel, I don't know, part of me at this point, and I think I'm going to be doing one of my bits if I say this now, but part of me at this point is like, 
it feels just a bit too like, oh, that was awful. So this is nice and fluffy and cuddly yeah. and everything's covered in cotton wool and it's so beautiful here. And you kind of go, I don't know whether she'd want to let her hair down and party a bit more because that's what she's not been allowed to do. Yeah. Hit some nightclubs, go out, have a drink, well, have a party, have a dance. Well, we're taking a break now, but in the next section, we are going to talk about her partying or what her version of partying is. Mm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join me, Jaguar, the host of BBC Introducing Dance on Radio 1 for my brand new podcast, Utopia Torts. It's a reactive platform to discuss issues that my generation care about in dance music culture and the wider world. I'll be talking to some of the biggest names in dance music, including people like Heidi. The lineups do not need to be 99% male-driven. Mm. There's all these interesting new producers and women that are coming through, you know, all sorts. Yeah. It's like women are speaking out now. And the sensational Bless Madonna. I feel like literally my entire life has led up to this. This is the first event we've had like this, not just in the UK, but really in the Western Hemisphere. And to be able to be here with all of these people who are so happy is just absolutely the biggest, highest joy of my life. As well as having the meaty conversations I often have with friends that I'd love you to join in with. There's so much new energy coming out of the pandemic and there's so many like new nights and festivals yeah, yeah. and everyone's really pushing for this new structure where people genuinely don't feel anxious mm -hmm. about coming to a club night because of the way they look or the way they dress. It's more about everyone in. To me, Utopia is a perfect moment. It's togetherness. It's the future. I want to live in a more inclusive, equal world and I hope this podcast will build a community and help create change. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Welcome to Utopia Talks. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. And we're back with a section I'm calling Drama Queen. Because two things now happen side by side in the movie. And we're going to start with the drama as our heroine falls for a drama teacher called Ben, played by Kevin Anderson and Kevin Anderson's hair. Question. Wow, his hair. Ben. He's got two hairs. He's got two haircuts on his head. He's got an actual hair on his head. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an insane haircut. Is Ben, so quite openly, is Ben like... Is he meant to be as creepy as Martin? Ben so we're unsure. So, yeah, Are we meant order. to be unsure about him or is this just the performance so Kevin Anderson I, has chosen I, to give? I think it's a really good question. And if he wasn't introduced in the way he's introduced, I would 
say, yes, he's supposed to be more threatening. But by introducing him as the neighbour singing West Side Story while watering his lawn, I feel like there's no coming back from that. Although, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a knobhead. He's less creepy. Um, I, I feel like if they wanted to go down that route of making him seem like he might be like uh, the uh, Martin, they wouldn't have introduced him in that soppy way. Yeah, I think uh, he's extremely creepy, but it's watching it as a grown-up. I think probably in the 90s, I was like, oh, he's cute and it's harmless. But the the way he walks into her kitchen, the way he won't leave, the thing about, well, I'll just set a table for two. It's like, fucking leave her alone. Mm. Like All the signals, like read the room. And then later on, when he says, when he finds out that she's changed her name and he's like, look, just tell me what's going on. And his actual line is, I don't know how to feel what I'm feeling if I don't know what's going yeah. on with you. And it's like, it's not about Yeah, you. he tries to emotionally blackmail her into revealing her original name to yeah. him. It's, Rather than saying, I'm aware that you've yeah. done this and you've got your reasons, let's be friends. But I mean, there's little things. Like, I swear, when she first uh, is discovered picking up all the apples by him... His line sounds like the final line a slasher would have yeah. on a farmland set slasher movie because he goes, harvest time. <laughs> and I'm like, if that's not the last line before someone murders you with a scythe, I don't know what is. And then he goes, pie. I love pie. <laughs> I love- Go away. He's just like, this guy is fucking weird. So they introduce him by having him singing a song from West Side Story. I couldn't watch this. It was making me cringe so much. <laughs> it was painful. Um, I guess they're establishing that he can dance or he can't dance. I'm not sure. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But um. Well, you're, they're doing what you... I think he's creepiness. It's so hard to tell now, isn't it? Like, to me, he was t- far, far, far too much and kind of deserves what's coming to him and needs to leave her the fuck alone. But it does. it is diffused by him sort of uh, being unembarrassed and singing this song and all the rest of it. It makes him seem quite innocent. So she does steal some apples. She's not entirely innocent in all of this. (laughs) Um, He tells her off for trespassing. And then um, he just, he doesn't understand boundaries, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Um, Even physically, he's standing way too close to her. Yeah. Um, This is what I mean. I just can't believe that you can't have all of this and it just be an accident. And when you come to watch your film back, you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) What have we done? (laughs) Oh, he's not meant to be the creepy one. Uh, she wants to make apple pie. He loves apple pie. We're back to the apples. There's too many apples in this movie. <laughs> um, he then shows up with some apples and invites her over for dinner and yeah. he sets fire that, to the pot roast. That, that, like that dinner is weird. That, that, that. Well, also, never what... have two people had less chemistry. Like Julia Roberts <laughs> can manifest chemistry with anyone and anything because she's that good. And there's something about that pairing that you're just like... And also, is he... Like, I don't know why because I looked it up and I couldn't believe he's older than her. I don't know what it is, but he to She's me. A kid. She was a kid when she made this. Really, she was twenty two, wasn't she? Twenty three. Yeah, but he like he looks to me younger than her. I don't know whether it's his haircut or his baby face, but it feels like she's the older woman in that relationship. And he sees the he sees the cut on her forehead, and he goes to touch it. <laughs> like, just know about boundaries. You've just met this woman. Yeah, I mean. If, if I've known someone for years and I see a cut on their head, I'm not going to go and touch it. It's a weird thing to do. Yeah. I took all my power not to put my fingers in yours that time. <laughs> um, and so now she's working at library and uh, we get quite an affecting scene uh, where she calls her mother to hear her voice. Oh, that's good. She's, is it? She's yeah, very good in that scene. It's good. Yeah, definitely. So your mother is ill, infirm in an old people's home and is now getting crank calls from someone yeah. who just rings you and then says nothing down the phone. Yes. And sort of very quietly moments, <laughs> terrifying. Can it. it sets up the mum as being, you know, a clever old girl, which she is, because she doesn't bother. She's like, there's no one on the line and then just hangs up. It's fine, she wasn't scared. It's quite emotional. I mean, it's creepy. <laughs> you just don't do that. Uh, and then we're on to brown-eyed girl. So... This is the scene. I can remember watching like Film 91 with Barry Norman and at the end of each episode, he'd play a clip from a film upcoming and he played this scene in that. Um, I think this, and this was a big part of the trailer. They sold the film off the back of the thriller element, but also... The pretty woman montage. The, the, well, the brown-eyed girl is dancing the brown-eyed girl. Mm. So it's um, so Ben takes her to his theatre. He makes it snow. He puts Van Morrison on as she's playing Dress Up backstage. Uh, it's a bit like a makeover scene. Yeah. But it's quite a weird one. He's juggling... She's dressed as a clown. Yeah. Um, so like, she, she smiles a lot because that's what we want to see yeah. from her. Oh, and wow. he just stares at her a lot. It's weird. It's weird. First of all, he goes into a theatre and uses uh, whatever special effects the next production has set up for Monday show <laughs> on her by using their fake snow. And then 
it's not a one song montage. This oh, no. is a two song montage. Mm. You get yeah. Brown Eyed Girl and then Run Around Suit. Run Around Suit, one of the <laughs> yeah. greatest ever rock songs. Great song. With the most sexist lyrics in any song of history. But it's also, and it's a very 90s thing to do, especially because there's a lot of hats in it, but it's the woman as child thing because she's supposed to be enchanted by seeing fake snow and sitting on a pantomime swing. Mm. That's for fucking children. Night works. I've done that. <laughs> I've used, I've used that. <laughs> and then she's trying on funny costumes and pulling funny faces. And it it, it only made me not feel physically sick because it's her. And I'm so desperate to see her smile because of everything she's been through. And you yeah. don't want Julia Roberts to feel that sad ever. So when she finally smiles, you're like, well, if you if he made you smile, Julia, then it's She's fine. working very, very hard to make Ben seem not creepy. Yeah, well, it's completely. Completely. It took this scene for me to finally soften to him because I'm like, I guess, if I he's guess all right you, with you, yes yeah. and you no. see something yeah. in him. Yes or no, because uh, when he when the Dion song comes on, um, he's dancing with her. His dancing's very violent. Yeah, yes. he grabs it. She's like very, a doll. It's yeah. very jerky and very violent. I know someone's <laughs> supposed to lead, but that is too but much aggression. Like, this is why they never have two people had less chemistry. Yeah. They can't even find rhythm in the dancing. But also the idea that Patrick Bergen, that Martin has got, he keeps saying, remember on our honeymoon and I told you to dance. And it's like, so the idea is if you're a creepy psycho, she could always dance, obviously. You just think you taught her to dance because she lets you lead and blah, blah, blah. So when she's dancing with Ben Woodward, she should be leading the dance because now she's finally found a partner who's happy for her to take the lead and isn't going to throw her around like a rag doll. And that's not what happens. He's chucking her all over yeah. the place. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be like. Oh, I don't know. Speaking of Martin, though, there was a bit where he gets that phone call uh, from the woman at the swimming class to <laughs> yeah. uh, inform him, um, or that uh, he's his, a fucking psycho. It's yeah, it's really weird because he he goes, he will not accept that it's her. He keeps going, "You've got the wrong person. It can't be her because it can't dead. be Laura. She's yeah. dead. She's dead. She." Dead, and then God, this is a bit. This is a really sort of left turn line. The woman goes, "Yeah, yeah, Laura, the gym teacher, because that's why she had all those bruises. She always told us." She said, "Yeah, she's she was taking gymnastics or something, wasn't she?" Yeah, yeah. And because then it's like, then only then does it do a real close up of Martin's face, and it, his face basically goes, "My bruises." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, um, that section in my uh, going through it, the, the the dance turns into them going home, mm-hmm. and then them kissing on the stairs, mm. and he asks her to stop. Oh. And he doesn't. Yeah. Twice. Three times. Because yeah. this is when Ben really turns into a creep. Mm. Uh, and she she ends up having to send him away because yeah. he's so threatening. Yeah. Although the next day, sort of almost all forgiven, no, she just tells him a no, whole story. because then the motherfucker, he wasn't able to have sex with her because that's what he was after all along and he wasn't being her friend and all the rest of it. And then he has the fucking nerve to be in a fucking sulk about it. Yeah. So he sat there with his feet like, don't even talk to me because you wouldn't have sex with me. And she has to say, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, man. Such, he's such ben, a that's bad. It's really bad. We've <laughs> seen that before, though. Remember, the, the same the same like pattern on Avatar, on the Avatar episode where... Here, Jake kills uh, Natiri's father, or he ends up dead. <laughs> oh God! And, like the f- the first time she sees him again, she's like, "I'm really sorry for not trusting all of you." This. It's like this weird <laughs> thing. So Avatar is a combination of Pocahontas, Fergunley, and Slip with the Enemy. <laughs> it looks like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's the that's the romance out of the way. Trailer breadcrumbs now. Just one last thing. One last thing. In that apology scene, she's like, look, this is the truth. I'm really scared, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, Julie Roberts, someday you might surprise yourself. It's like, have you, you shit. She's just escaped from prison. And he's like, but one day you might do something that surprises even you. Yeah. And Ben also, there is that scene where he comes around and very, very violently smashes his fist against the door. Like to to let her know that he's there. And then she opens it and she's like, God. And he's like, what, did I scare you? Did I scare you? It's like, yes, Ben. Anyone would be scared by a a stranger smashing their fist against a door. That's not how you knock on a fucking door, Ben. Ben either knocks too hard or lets himself in. He does let himself (laughs) in. Both bad. Super Mm. threatening. Both bad. All right, so let's get back to Martin because while this romance has been blossoming, he's been busy investigating. Uh, Clue one, uh, Martin cuts his foot on broken glass from the light. Uh, clue two, the YWCA calls him uh, to say how much they will miss her and reveals the swimming lessons. Um, as I say, she must have given them his work number. I don't know how he would have got, they would have got her work, his work number otherwise. I'm sure he, they can find a way, like the yellow pages or something. She might have mentioned where he works. I don't know. All I right. think she messed up there. Uh, clue, Martin finds ring in toilet. She's an idiot. So I guess he doesn't use that toilet often, or at all. When he so he yes. went home after reporting his wife missing and then dead, 
and never had a wee or anything. No. Just left immediately. I'm a, I've given him the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he has two bathrooms. Maybe that was her bathroom. Oh, okay. And, yeah. you know, it looks like an ensuite. Maybe he's not been sleeping in that room because his possession's been taken from him. Yeah. And then he hires an investigator uh, to find her. What is this scene? Why are they in it for one scene and then you never hear from them again? <laughs> it's un- it's point, actually yeah. unclear whether they've passed on any information whatsoever or he's just found her. Especially as he seems to be quite good at this and we sort of would, I sort of believe him. He's he's a smart guy. So it's I'm, the fucking Terminator. I'm fine. What you said is right. Like it's scared. That's why it scared the shit out of me. I he will not stop. I'm fine with him tracking her down without the, the need for an investigator with weapons on his There's wall. the bit where he even goes because the mother is called Sarah Waters and he goes, he goes, I'm looking for Sarah <laughs> Waters. It's like Sarah he doesn't Waters. even blink. Like, literally doesn't blink. So Martin realises the mother didn't die and heads to her nursing home. Uh, and this is where we've got a section I'm calling Brown Eyed Boy. Okay. Because Laura dresses a bloke to visit her mother. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned it, but the hair, the moustache, it's just not a good look. I mean, he's supposed to work in the theatre. Surely he's better at his job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's meant to be. She, she looks like a sickly child with, with mm. a moustache. I mean, is it supposed to be bad because it's amateurish? But I just, it's just horrible. Disguise her as a different looking woman or something. Like, give her a blonde wig or something. It's just. It doesn't it, even matter either because when she's on her way out, uh, the woman on reception goes, Hey, you know, you were looking for any, <laughs> anyone came to visit that bloke. Yeah, yeah that, that man, man did, Yeah. That man woman. In this section, we get the most disturbing uh, moment in the movie, uh, which is the close up of Martin drinking water from a fountain. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, what is he doing? Right, so- Twice, though. He goes back to it. So he's mm. very thirsty. Mm, the, direct, the director, the writer and the actor, they're all like, we want more of this. <laughs> Can we Can make, we make love this? to the water, Martin? Make love to the water. <laughs> lap at it. Just keep lapping. <laughs> or lap it like a big fleshy cat. Give it a Frenchie. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, stop that. Um, he, can we talk about, let's use this opportunity to talk about uh, this performance, Patrick Bergen's performance as Martin. Do you love it or do you think it's just it's it, the dial's gone up to 11 and it should be fil- flitting around the 9, Ooh, 10 mark? I really love it mm. because it really frightens me. Mm. What would scare me more is, you know, when he's talking to the nurse in the care home and he's setting up this lie about if, if someone comes to visit this woman, would you let me know? Because I want to surprise my sister who I haven't seen for a long time and she's going to pop by kind of thing. Right. So in that scene, the nurse is quite charmed. She's like, oh, you're a very good looking man, so I will do what you say, which is fine. But he should switch then from being literally the fucking Terminator to being like a normal man who's really charming and blinks and does like, and he's handsome. So you see him do the thing that presumably ensnared poor Laura in the first place where he can be normal and he can just be like super charming and you're just bowled over by his charisma and you'll do anything he says. Mm. And then he's like, pow, now I'm the Terminator. That would have scared me more. It's not on the actor because I do think it's brilliant because he's so scary. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really liked it. I, I, I think it was a, a similar point where I'm just like, why is anyone listening to this man? Because you get a vibe <laughs> uh, like when he's walking around, being terrifying, just striding towards camera with his long coat flapping behind him. I'm yeah. like, this is great. But when you sort of see people being putty in his hands, you're like, this is this just he can't. He never loses the air of menace. He can't be reasoned with. He can't be stopped. <laughs> He absolutely will not stop. That's it, because then he threatens the teacher, the drama teacher, who's gay, and he's like, if you tell anyone, and that teacher would be like, fuck off, I'm obviously going to call the police. I Who thought, are you? I thought that was, see, this is why, I wouldn't let go of this, the doctor's in on this thing, he's helped her. I thought that was the doctor from the start. They've got the same haircut as Jonathan on the boat. Oh, and I yeah, was like, right, he's yeah. found him, so now he's going to tell him where she is. Right. He gets into the mum's room, and she sort of inadvertently spills the beans, and then he moves in to kill her, but gets interrupted. Do yeah. you think the film bottled it here by not having him murder her it's a really interesting one because i was watching this going does he need to kill her so that he can be killed at the end like does that sort of you know i i, I guess he's now it tips him over into proper psychopath territory what mm. the fuck he wasn't before sorry are you mental no but i mean i guess something you, you, i'm shaking my head i know what you mean and i didn't mean it like that what i mean is like murdering someone is the next level surely actually yeah. taking a human life and he was going to but smother. he would the point of Julia Roberts' situation is that that would only have ended one way eventually it was just a matter of time it, that's true okay so I don't think you need to kill the mum in order to justify him being killed okay I the only think wow. they bottled it because what because it creates complications because he's on a quest and if he kills someone in that room there'll be an investigation and all the rest of it and obviously it will look like she died naturally but it just creates an added wrinkle in his relentless pursuit of his wife so that's the reason I think they didn't do it 
So if he hadn't been interrupted, do you think he'd have done it? Yeah, I do. Because I do think he would have done. I don't know how that affects the plot because he's mad as hell and he hasn't had that control over someone for a while and he's got a lot of emotion he wants to spend. So killing a defenseless old lady would make him feel good. I just think it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I think some of the criticism that was levelled at this movie, I think it was Roger Ebert who just sort of said it's just a slasher movie dressed up as something else. Yeah. And I guess that would have certainly tipped it into here is a killer walking around murdering people on his mission to get to his disappeared wife. Mm. Yeah, and you could say maybe it's exploiting a serious subject, but equally, I mean, there are these people around who will go to any lengths to do horrible things to their partners. So uh, I thought he was going to kill her. I have to say, when that scene started, yes, he and was, he, and I, he's walking towards her with a pillow. No, I thought the film was going to come through. Okay, all that. I thought, yeah. I thought he, was. yeah, I, I thought I remembered it, so I, I misremembered it as well. And then we're into the home stretch, which I'm calling cheaper than a divorce. So head to a carnival first, first and foremost, Ben and Ben and Laura. Um, Martin's there. He's wearing her ring as well as his own, which I like. And this is when he's re- he's been doing this psycho look throughout the film. But this is when he goes to the, the he gets this up to too eleven. Much, too much. Too Do much. Do you think? I thought you'd love this. This is no. some serious face acting. I've where, called it rage face. Yeah, he's very good. But I think this is where the directing kind of lets it down a bit. And I feel the same. You know, when they're in the boat at the start and there's meant to be a storm, it does not much of a storm, is it? Like it doesn't look that scary. And I think it's just the direction. Like it, it just doesn't look that threatening. Uh-huh. And I think the director has run out of tricks a bit where he's like, we need to, you've got the energy of a carnival and all you're doing is like, this man's face. <laughs> Forever. Yeah, I, I, I've got something to say about the carnival in my bits, actually. I, I think. thought this is where it was going to be the climax. I thought this yes. is... Why we're, go there and then go is, home? We're into Act 3 now. Yes. It's, it's going to be a chase around a carnival. Yeah, the Hall of Mirrors, exactly. obviously. Yeah. It's what Hitchcock would have done. Mm. Um, but Laura comes home from the carnival and uh, <laughs> she, needs, <laughs> she needs 20 minutes as she's going to freshen up. As a bath. Has a fucking oh, bath. Yeah, if someone think. says to me, I'm just going to freshen up. 20 minutes, she said. How long does a bath take? I to think run. to run a bath takes 20, 20 minutes, frigging yeah. minutes. Definitely. And then you've got to empty the bath. What about the time for actual bathing? Yeah, there's no time. Mm. Well, maybe to... she just took longer than 20 minutes, in which case, just say I'm going to have a bath. Don't <laughs> say I'm going to freshen up and then be gone for an hour while you're bathing. <laughs> so Mark, Martin starts toying with her here. The towels are back in order. Uh, Berlioz is on the tape player. Whoa. Oh, oh. So what? So what's that? Like I, the towel thing? Like fine. She cannot remember whether they were in the right. Or, like yeah. you know, they were all yeah. lined up. But yeah, Berlioz. Yeah, I know. It's it's a terrible. She moment. presses play on that stereo, yeah. and it comes on. Yeah, and she smiles. And she, for a moment, she's like, "Hang on." Oh no, wait! It's fine. It's just Berlioz. It's just a piece of music that surely you would not have sitting in your tape. Well, no, player. I thought yeah. she was like, "Oh, Ben's done this as a joke." I thought she like, <laughs> thought Ben. It certainly ben was, fits. It fits ben with was Ben's her. modus yeah. operandi. <laughs> yeah, but I know. I just oh, do you, is that what you think it was? I think yeah. she just sort of like it's a dumb move where she's like, she's like, "Oh, I must have put that in by mistake." You mm. remember putting the song that terrorized you in your cassette player? Mm. Yeah, and now the tins are perfectly lined up as well, and. We hear it. Hello, princess. It's wonderful to see you alive. <laughs> uh, and so this is the climax. Uh, ben knocks at the door and then smashes his way in. Mar- <laughs> Martin knocks him out. But I feel like Mar- uh, Ben should have just done his jerky, violent dance with Martin because that would have taken him out. Yeah. It's dangerous, that dance. <laughs> Laura knees him in the balls. He drops his gun. Uh, she shoots and narrowly misses him. Uh, he says, I can't live without you and I won't let you live without me. And then she... Uh, picks up the phone and says, give me the police. And then says, come quickly. I've just killed an intruder. <laughs> oh, oh, hello. <laughs> I, every, all was forgiven at this point. That line, I was like. Incredible. That is just amazing. And yeah. his face and yeah. everything. <laughs> loved it. That reminds you, did you ever see the, the American guy on Millionaire who used his uh, phone a friend a bit like that? No. Not stuff murderer. Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter. Gerald Ford. Um, <laughs> I'd like to call my parents right now. Sure. Use my lifeline, call my parents. What are their names? Oh, um, my father. I'll talk to my father. Uh, hi, Dad. Hi. Uh, I don't really need your help, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. <laughs> How cool is that? I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
very true. But yeah, what a moment. She uh, she, t- she she informs him she's going to kill him before she kills him. Uh, and then she shoots him in the chest three times and he makes these inhuman sounds like an animal and he's down. But of course he comes back from the dead. Mm. You have to. It's the rules. <sighs> I suppose so. Of a slasher film, yeah. I mean, I do wonder about it because is it, I've overthought this, is it there to show that he would always have killed her so yes. that, yeah, which I don't think you need because it's quite obvious mm. that he doesn't love her. Mm, because he grabs the gun and fires at her head and but he's out yeah. of bullets. So you don't need to show that character that the, this this man did, never loved you. That's not what it is. So are you showing the audience that he, he really was a wrong one? But this is, like, this is like what I was saying earlier that got slightly misconstrued, which is this idea that, you know, in the language of cinema, yeah. you do need to see this person... Be do an act of like something as abhor- abhorrent as murdering someone, yeah, to sort of balance it out in your own head and go, Well, he's a killer, or yeah. he would have killed. I just, I just don't so- think you'd do it now, would you? Because no. what, what he's done is enough for her well, to feel the way she feels, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's just so your anti death penalty and your pro death penalty is I'm that what we're saying? Death <laughs> it feels like that's what's happening here, it does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you said it because uh, you're the more reasoned of the two of us. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, no, interesting. I didn't think that. Go about you. you should go back. And, go back. And, you should go back and listen to this episode. Um, is, uh, okay. So real, real eye-opening episode <laughs> from that corner of the room. Uh, and so Martin's dead. Ben wakes up. The end. It's yeah. very. It's very yeah, abrupt. That's it. Uh, yeah. That is uh, that is it. I haven't got much more apart from the fact that um, Kevin Anderson and Julia Roberts were reunited in a film a few years later, a sort of animated live-action thing. Charlotte's Web. Oh, yeah, that's what they got back together on. And um, while doing <laughs> Just, my research, I, I found out that what? is he really is he still creepy as an animated character? <laughs> uh, no, he's live action in it, okay. and she's she the spider. She's the spider. She's yeah, the spider. yeah. Uh, and then um, so nothing they don't nothing goes on between them. <laughs> It's a spider and a human. Um, I meant to say, you know, the montage earlier, you know, he is the one dressing her in all the hats and everything. Does that constitute, because he's sort of reaching round to adjust the visor. Is this, would this fit under the the reach around banner that you Thank um, you for asking. Does he he adjust the hat to make it fit perfectly? Then yes, it does. Right. Oh, so very good. Is, very good. I'm surprised you missed it. You I missed the reach around. It. Yeah, it's right in front of me. Vicky normally doesn't miss a reach around. No, she loves a reach um, around. And another weird thing I noticed, which I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I literally didn't mean it like that. Let's go back to you liking the death penalty. Uh, Patrick Bergen did 32 episodes of EastEnders in 2017. He didn't. I wish I'd seen it. He did. He went to Albert Square. Really? Yeah. Did he blink at all? <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a big get for EastEnders, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a bit late in the day, but... All right, should we do the bits? Mm. Uh, Vicky, what's your favourite scene? Uh, come quickly, I just killed an intruder. Uh, my favourite scene is come quickly, I've just killed an intruder. <laughs> my favourite scene is come quick, I've just killed an intruder. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> uh, Alex, what is your most valuable whatever? Uh, Julie Roberts. Uh, because again, a lot of it boils down to her relationship with Ben and making him seem less creepy by just smiling in a montage. Mm-hmm. So I can now be attached to Ben as less like a, a sort of secondary horror show in this movie. He is, until that point, I'm still like, wait, I, there's a part of me that goes, there is no way you can have two people who are doing this to Julia Roberts. And yet until she goes and turns on the pretty woman charm and all the rest of it, like it's it's the equivalent of the necklace box snapping shot in Pretty Woman where you're she like, does oh. the same. Yeah, the laugh. The yeah. laugh is there when he puts the hat on. Yeah, it's all there. So yeah, Julia Roberts for doing it, doing a lot of work to make Ben seem normal. <laughs> That's a really good answer. Mm. Vicky. Uh, Julia Roberts, I would, well, yeah, for, for Alex's reasons, which I didn't articulate because he did it better, but this everything she's been through, her resilience, is really clear um, her bravery and then when she finally just when she finally smiles the relief that washed over me you don't want to be away from that smile for too long yeah her obviously Uh, I'm going for Patrick Bergen I didn't answer your question earlier but uh, what I've written here is I think he might be terrible in this movie but he's also bloody terrifying and that performance really stayed with me yeah Uh, and what would you change Vicky Um, she should have a straight female friend at home who has absolutely no interest in shagging her, unlike Ben, and that's the first person she learns to feel safe again with. So you can still have a love interest because it's a film, and I I get that, Um, but he's so on her case, it's deeply inappropriate, 
Um, yeah. He, you know, he can still have his hero moment. You, you can have both, but let's try and find time for a friendship that isn't complicated by sex at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more believable that she would find that comfortable after everything she's been through. You know, when she apologizes to him for not fucking him, I just could that just I, I couldn't believe she had to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've got that. I 100% agree with that. And Double Jeopardy does that much better by getting rid of this romantic character because we're not, we don't need to see a romance straight after what we've seen the first 20 minutes. Um, but um, I, I also, what I said earlier, I get that this is a film about domestic abuse. So it probably made sense for them to have the finale in Laura's home. But you've gone to all the trouble of getting a fair <laughs> and sending them to the fair. Have your climax at the fair. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe it when the fair sequence ended and then they're picnicking yeah. on the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picnic at the fair. Uh, Alex. So she goes back to the house, uh, not to cut her hair and put her ring down the toilet, but because there's something there, something personal that she's forgotten that she can't leave without and she forgot to put it in a rucksack it's something her mother gave her some like trinket that is of quite immense value an antique a family heirloom so that's why she goes back and you think in the moment you're like oh well her mother's dead so she wants to keep hold of that memory and it's the only thing that she still has that attaches her to her mother because he's got rid of everything else so that's why she wants it and that's why Martin sees the sand in the house and everything because it was an impromptu thing to go and get this item. Then when we find out her mum's alive, it turns out that this is the item. It's worth a lot and she has to sell it to pay for her mum being looked after in the care home and also pay rent on a massive house in the beautiful sun-kissed world of wherever she ends up. So Mm -hmm. you kill two birds with one stone. Yes. That's That's good. Much much better. Very good. Yeah, really good. All right, then we're done. Uh, Should we do a quiz? Let's do a quiz. Uh, on Thursday, we're doing the film Double Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So I thought we'd play Jeopardy. <laughs> okay. Do you know how to play Jeopardy? Yeah, you do the answer and yes. we do the question. So I'll give you an example. If I said, Julia Roberts is pursued by her psychotic husband, you'd say, what is sleeping with the enemy? Yeah, right. What is? What, it's basically what is or who is. Although if you just blow out the answer... Why is this such a big quiz show in America? <laughs> it feels like a stupid quiz show. To be show. honest, if you just blow out the answer, I'll give it to you. Okay, okay thank okay. you. Uh, oh, and actually, uh, these are real Jeopardy questions from the American. Oh, these show. aren't movie related. They're all movie related, right. but they're real ones from the show. Okay, okay. These have been on the telly in America. <laughs> wow, wow! In the presence <laughs> of greatness. <laughs> I know, trust us. Wow. <laughs> so we'll start with uh, Rachel Lee Cook, the Ugly Duckling. She's all that. Correct. <laughs> what is she's all that? Can you try try though? You didn't right, even sorry, try then. Sorry, you didn't sorry. even try then. What is she's all that? What is she's all that? Um, is pursued by Freddie Prince Jr. in his high school comedy. Oh, are they all about men pursuing women as well? <laughs> no, films? they aren't. They aren't. Oh shit! This one might be. Um, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Margot Robbie portrayed this late actress. Who is what Sharon is Tate? Tate? <laughs> Correct. I like the fact that Vicky said, what is Sharon you don't Tate? Say, you don't have to say <laughs> who what is. Who is or what is. Right, who sorry. is or what yeah. is. Yeah. I, yeah. I did say that. It's a lot to take in. Okay. Uh, a highlight of this 2016 Disney film was a sloth working at the DMV. What is Zootrop- Zootropolis? Yeah. Correct. Z- I would have I I accepted Zootopia or Zootropolis Z- okay. there. Okay. <laughs> um, this person appeared in more than 35 Alfred Hitchcock movies. Who, Who is James Stewart? <laughs> no. Who is Tippi Hendren? Who is uh, Gregory Peck? Who, Who is, is... 35 is a lot. Who is Cary Grant? Who is Alfred Hitchcock? Correct. Yes! Oh, very good. Very good. 35 is a lot. Okay. Um, original wording of the Hollywood sign. Who Hollywood is Hollywood Land? Land? Fuck! I think we both got that. I really do. Mm, I think that was right. I think you both got that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give that. Okay, this is this is what, the not who is Hollywood Land though. <laughs> is that Which what is, I said? That's what I said. <laughs> this is the final one, and just uh, just say the answer. Don't say who is or what is because you're both saying who is or what is before <laughs> you're thinking of the answer. Yeah, that's true. So it's no, it's, it's waste, slowing me down. It's a waste of time. Right. So just say the answer. Creators of Casper. Say this film's logo plagiarised one of their Ghostbusters. Fuck Correct. Fuck oh, Alex oh, wins God. with Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, that's going to hurt. Well played, Alex. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever done anything so horrible to you in your entire life. I feel sick. Uh, Harvey Comics creator of Casper sued the producers claiming the ghost in the logo was too close to the Casper character Fatso. The court ruled against them stating there were only so many ways to draw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you seen Ghostbusters? <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your favourite film. Your favourite film. <laughs> Brilliant end to the quiz. Well played, Alex. Great quiz. <laughs> all right, then. Let's look ahead, uh, not to Thursday, first of all, but to next week. Uh, Chris's choices next week. Uh, what is your clue? Uh, next week, we're spending three episodes <gasps> partaking in some guerrilla warfare. Three episodes. Three episodes. It's a three-way. It's a three-way. Come on. This <laughs> right, I, you know, I've been thinking other ways to say that. What would you go for apart from three-way? Because I don't want you rolling your eyes all next week because I'm going to be saying it a lot. I would, everything I say now just sounds awful. Mm. Triple-headed. <laughs> it's Jesus a triple-headed. Christ. It's a triple-headed. Yes, yeah, triple-headed. So worse, so worse than three-way. Well, you can't say threesome, can it you? It makes obviously? me think of weird hente. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know those demons. Right, let's get out. I've watched a lot of manga. Uh, anime. Uh, I don't want to talk anymore. Good. On Thursday, then, we are coming back to talk about Double Jeopardy. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed reviewers if you have time. It's a massive help. And check in with us on social media, at ClashPod on Twitter and Instagram. Back Thursday for some Double Jeopardy. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 